Because the Word of God needs to keep going forth, and it needs to get stronger and stronger and stronger. The days we're living in are, are crazy. Can I get an amen? Amen. The days we're living in are absolutely crazy, but God is solid. He is in control. He is, he is sovereign above everything. Church, today, every day, we need to press into our Father. We need to be careful of falling into all the devices of the enemy and getting led astray in any direction. And so we are going to be proclaiming the word of God and we're going to be coming together for worship. Um, for those in the parking lot at the end of worship, we will be um, doing communion. So we're going to we're going to have somebody walking through the parking lot. Um, I would suggest um, not suggest after worship to turn on your headlights. It'll be easier to find a car with headlights on um, because there's a, just a few of you out there. And and um, we'll get communion next door into the overflow room as well. And um, if you're at home, you can get your elements together. And we will uh, be doing we'll be doing communion after worship. And so, anyways, we're gonna we're gonna pray. Man, I'm just I'm excited. I'm really excited. I had a. a just excited about what what God wants to do and is doing in our midst. Um, hallelujah. Let's pray precious Father in heaven. You are holy. God, we ask, even as the Lord's Prayer, that your kingdom would come right now. God, let your kingdom come in this moment and in our lives. God, let us be part of the kingdom of God here on earth. God, we pray that your will would be done in this place as a body of believers, in this community, in this state, nation, and in the world. Let your will be done. God, we thank you that you are redeeming and regenerating us each day, drawing, drawing us closer to yourself. We thank you for the salvation that was bought by the blood of Jesus and is found in no other name and by no other means except through the shed blood of Jesus, through faith, through grace. God, we really do need you in our lives right now. God, as we would sing songs of worship to you this morning, we pray that you would receive the worship as an offering from us to you. God, through the time of, of singing and praise and worship, let it not be songs alone, but let it be our hearts and our mind loving you and giving you uh, the praise that you deserve. God, let there be an exchange that happens through worship this morning, that, that we would cast our burdens onto you, that we would take your yoke upon us, and even through the worship, that we would learn of you through your Holy Spirit ministering to our hearts. We pray that we'd be open to worship, to sing, even to, to clap, to dance, to celebrate the goodness of God. God, we know that no matter what happens in this world, you reign forever. God, that you are good. You're good when there's nothing good in the world. There's, you're good when there's nothing good in me. God, and we just thank you for your love. Thank you for your goodness. Pray a blessing upon this service in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. All right, let's stand. Let our praise be your welcome this morning. Let our songs be a sign. 
Oh 
last few weeks as you don't have to look far to see that the world is at war and it's come to our soil in a way like never before not in our lifetimes and as we sing these songs the battle has always been there against flesh and blood at the moment. We see that more visibly, but it's still, and, and always has been in the spirit world, right? We battle not against flesh and blood, but we battle against the principalities, the spirits of darkness, and they are rising up, and they're in our faces. And as you sing this morning, take the time to listen to what you're saying. We're talking about dependence, our need, our total trust in God. We're affirming his power. And if you're singing these songs, do it in power. Own these words. You are a child of God the Most High, sovereign creator over everything. You walk in his confidence. You walk in his power. Do not cower in the face of evil here to take a stand in this world for righteousness and for love. And if you aren't singing the songs, you got to ask why. Because you better know either way where you stand. These are not days of indecision, people. You better know or someone's going to tell you where you stand. And if you're not happy with that, decisions. God is calling you today. Amen.
never fail and have never failed. God, and we cry out to you because we need, we need your touch, we need an encouragement. God, we pray that you would give us a heart and a passion for you and the, the things of God instead of the things of this world. God, and that through this time and through these times that, that seem dark, God, that your light is shining, that we would see you. God, that, that before we would take communion this morning as we continue to worship, that we would even listen and reflect on the words of this song that we're about to sing, that in the crushing, in this difficult times, in the pressing, that you're making new wine. God, I pray that through these difficult times in our life, whether it's financial or whether it's health or whether it's just fear, or emotional difficulties. God, of, of the plethora of, of difficulties that we might be going through, God, that you would use this to, to press and crush, God, and that the, the things that aren't of you would leave, God, and that what would be left would be the Spirit of God and us drawing closer to you. God, so many of us in this, in this room, all of us in this room have tried to find joy and peace in, our, in ourselves, in our strength, in the, in the things that we've built for us, whether it's our, our empires or whether it's our, our addictions our sinful lifestyles. God, we've tried so many things to find peace and life and joy, God, and they all come up empty. But God, through this difficult time, I pray that you would turn us all to you. That you would make new wine come from us. God, I pray that we would not get back to normal. For God's sake, don't let us get back to normal. Because normal wasn't that great it lacked you in so many parts of our lives. God, help us in this soil to surrender to you. That you might break up the fallowed hard ground and reveal a soil that you can plant something that is kingdom-minded. Not just mentally and emotionally happy and good, but God, truly good in the nature of God. Help us yield to you. Help us to trust you even when we don't understand that we might be your vessel. God, help everyone, including myself, stop looking to other people to be a vessel of good and a vessel of God and help us to know that we're the vessel. That we will be your hands, we'll be your feet, we will love the Lord our God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength, and we'll love our neighbor truly as ourselves. God, we have nothing. But we have everything in you because you've given us everything. God, in this difficult times, bring something amazing out. Bring some
continues to play, let's just begin to pray. Right wherever you're at, just begin to pray, God, make me a vessel. Bring new wine out of me, something new, something different, something changed by the Holy Spirit. As we just pray, 
wait on the Lord. We're going to ask the, the ushers to begin to pass out the elements, and they'll be out in the, in the, in the parking lot, in the overflow, and in here. When the elements come, there's a cup with the, with the bread and a cup with the juice. Take one of each and, and just touch the one cup that you're, you're going to take. And just continue to wait on him. Let's just pray. If this is foreign to you, just close your eyes and talk to God in your, in your heart and in your mind. Just like you would talk to anyone. Tell him what's been going on in your life. Use this time to say, God, I'm sorry. Because as we take communion, we need to be right before him. And it's a great time to say, God, I, I haven't been the way you've wanted me to be. Forgive me. Bring something new. Church, let's begin to pray. Just talk to him as the elements begin to get passed out. Thank you, Jesus. received your communion, go ahead and close your eyes. The reason I say that is you need to keep your eyes open in case communion hasn't come to you yet. I'm going to ask a question. 
This isn't for people to see your answer, but it's for you to think about it. And it's for God to see it. I have gotten tired of the way I've done things. I'm tired of not seeing God first in my life. Oh, I, I read my Bible every day and I pray and I pray for people, but there are things that cloud him out still. As I watched an amazing uh, documentary last night, one of the guys on there says, no one in all of creation ever, ever, ever has loved the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. There's always something lacking, but it doesn't mean that we can't get closer. It doesn't mean that we can't press in to, to love him more, to make his life more known. But if, if you're tired of the way things have been in your life, and this isn't for me to see, it's for God. I know you have your communion in your hand. Just kind of like raise your hand or hands. Because you're saying, that's me. I'm tired. I'm tired of my life. I'm tired of the way things have been. I'm tired of my lack of devotion. I'm tired of my the lack of power. I'm tired of, of whatever it's been, the, the, the roller coaster and the merry-go-round, everything that you've been on. And the, it's a sign of surrender as you say, God, I'm tired. I'm tired of my life the way I've done it. See, communion is about surrendering to him. Letting him become more and us becoming less. See, we're in the process of sanctification. When we became saved, if you're saved this morning, and, and I know that most of you are, but you might, not, you might be here saying, I've never asked Jesus to be my Lord. But if, if you have, then the moment that you did that, your sins were forgiven. Your name was written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And you were set apart and declared righteous and holy in his sight. And yet you still struggled with your sin. It's the dichotomy that we live in this world. Yes, we are saved, but we're being saved. It's like the kingdom of God, which is here, but not completely fully yet. We won't fully be, fully be pure and holy and, 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 and in a sense of sinless until we're in heaven where there is no more sin. See, we can't be sinless here, but we sure can sin less here. God, we're tired. We're tired of the lies that people, governments, all sponsored by the enemy of our soul have told us. Because Satan is the father of lies and we're tired of the lies. God, we need truth and Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. God, we ask that you would come. And if, if you've never asked Jesus to, to forgive your sins, if you're not ready to do that, I don't encourage you, don't even take communion because communion is about receiving the blood of Jesus as a sacrifice for your sins. But if you haven't, but you're ready today, then do it right now. All of us get a chance right now to rededicate our lives to the Lord at home, in the parking lot, overflow right here in the sanctuary. Because the, the bread that we're about to eat is just a matzah cracker. It's, it's unleavened bread. It's very similar to what, what Jesus ate on the night of the, the Passover and, and what, what the Egyptians even baked. Or that the Israelites baked in Egypt. It's just bread, but it's without leaven, and that represents sin. And we are taking the sinless 
body of Jesus and saying, I receive Jesus' sinless life that was broken for me. And, and, and then we take the cup in a moment and, and receive his blood that was poured out for our sins as a, as a propitiation, as a, as a covering over, a complete forgiveness. But you have to receive his sacrifice. And by doing that, you're saying, no longer I will live, but you will live in me. that we have come up with as humans, as pastors, as teachers, as leaders about the sacrifice of Jesus has fallen short. And there's some amazing ones out there, but they all fall short. The, the, the amazing story, the, the, the parable of, of the, the, the bridge operator who a train was coming and his job was to, to raise and lower the, the, the bridge so that the train could pass over the waters whose son fell in the gears. And he had a choice to make right in that moment. As the train was barreling down the tracks, he could either leave the, leave the bridge up and his son would be spared, but all the people on the train would die. Or he could sacrifice his son so that everyone could live. And it's an amazing story and thought. And, and he, he knew that he had to sacrifice his son so that the, the hundreds of people on the train would, would be able to pass by, even unknowing of the sacrifice that was made for them. That's a great story, but it still falls short, but you can use some things in that. See, Jesus went willingly to be sacrificed for us. And all of the wrath of mankind, everything that you've ever done, everything that you've ever done wrong, is a sin, and we're guilty of that. And the wrath of God needed to be poured out against sin because he's holy and righteous. And he poured that wrath out upon his son on the cross so that you would not face the wrath of God. You think your life has been tough? If you die without Christ and the wrath of God gets poured out upon you for your sins rather than on Jesus for your sins, that's rough. But we don't live in that world. We live in a world that Jesus sacrificed for us and received the wrath of God, uh, the wrath for sin on himself so that we could be saved. And that's what he was talking about. My body's going to be broken for you. Jesus, we didn't deserve it. Nothing in us was good that you said, wow, they're so good, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send my son because they're so good. We are sinful and outside of you absolutely unholy. But God, because of the sacrifice of Jesus, we've been redeemed if we trust in the blood and in the body of Christ. This morning as we partake of the, the bread together, Father, we bless this communion, bless the elements, this bread and this wine, and we thank you. As we take of this bread together, we're receiving the broken body of Jesus. Let's take the bread together. The Bible says that on that same night, he, he took the, the wine he gave thanks for it. And he told everyone, he said, this is the blood of a, a new covenant. 
It's a new covenant that we're, we're, even in this room, we're beginning to understand, so it's just barely beginning to understand, but the covenant is that Jesus died and received the wrath of God so we didn't have to. Because of his blood, we can have the Holy Spirit live in us here on earth, but ultimately we will never be separated from God, and we will live with him forever. Jesus paid an ultimate price for that. God, we thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus, willingly to die for us, who didn't deserve to be died for, who we were still enemies when he did it. And he looked down through all creation and saw each and every one of us and said, Father, I die for each and every one. For the remission of sins, my blood will be spilled. That theirs doesn't have to be. No more sacrificial lambs. I am making a way to redeem mankind back to the Father. Thank you for the grace. Thank you for the blood of Jesus. Let's receive the juice together. That's our prayer. Amen? Amen. Bring new wine out of us. Who's looking forward to some new wine? Anyone? <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I prefer Amen. my middle aged, but no. Yeah. <laughs> Amen. Go ahead and greet your neighbor this morning.
Amen. Hallelujah. The Bible says that, Behold how good and how pleasant it is when the brethren dwell together in unity. Amen? And, and, and that's what we need is, is unity. And I see a lot of awesome fellowship and unity happening here, and it needs to continue. Amen? And uh, if, if, uh, if, if you're at home, if the, if the sound is a little interesting, let us know. Um, we're going to try to keep the volumes loud. Hey, if, if, is there anyone next door worshiping? The kids. All right. So kids are next door. Awesome. Hey, if you're out in the, in the, in the, in the parking lot listening, honk. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Amen. We've got we to find a name for our new radio station. It only broadcasts on Sundays, though. You know. Um, anyways. Hey, uh, there, there's a few announcements um, to make. Je um, Jesse's not here today, so. But, uh, and I got to remember what they are. Pastor Dave Ogre from Great Commission Media Ministries will be joining us um, June 22nd, 21st, 21st, Sunday. The 21st, 22nd. Um, the, uh, Pastor Dave is one of my spiritual fathers. He's become a mentor to me in the last um, 12 or so years that I've known him. He, he is he's a great man of God. He was an, a, 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 just a, a pastor with a, a shepherd's heart. He's now working with a ministry that brings the word of God into the, the Middle East and to the, the Soviet Union. Um, now they're into South America and Africa. They do it through media, through TV shows, through campaigns. And so he's going to share a little bit of uh, some updates. And obviously, a lot of the things that they've done um, were able to continue because it was media-driven, but their campaigns have stopped for, for a while and, until they can start going again. This will be for Pastor Dave's first time in a church um, in like three or four months, and they, we get to be the, his, his first stop out. So we're excited. That's going to be on Father's Day. And so come out for that. It's, he, he always brings a good, a challenging, encouraging message. Also, uh, he just connects us with what's happening around the world. Um, Guys, we don't know what's gonna what, what the future of this country or the world looks like. Um, the future of this country could be like the places that we've been sending money to to minister the word of God. We, we just don't know what the Lord has planned exactly. Um, and so it's exciting to see what's happening there and also go, Lord, help us to, to make sure we're proclaiming the gospel here. So that's in a couple weeks. Um, and I can't really think of any other, other announcements, really, that are, that are that important. The youth group yard sale is going to still happen, probably going to be on Labor Day weekend. And, um, and obviously, we are now back uh, here in service, overflow, radio station. We got it all going on. And so we need to keep proclaiming the word of God because this world is going crazy. I mean, we are, we are living in, in strange times. Now, some of you, though, lived in, in the times. I was born in 1970. I still think of myself as young. But some of you were living in the time of the, of the race riots of the 60s and the Watts riots and things like that. Those were also some crazy times. Um, destruction, all these things were happening then. They're happening again. But there's other things happening that, that is such a, a, a division 
the, the same things that, that many people who are protesting desire to bring us together, the enemy is using, causing division. And I think it's ironic that many people are really saying, hey, we want to bring everything together and cause more love and unity, which is what we need. It really is. We need to have love, the love of God. But, but as people have been scared and seeing these riots, a protest turning into a riot and destruction, it's actually pulling us apart. We have people who serve um, their cities, their counties, um, their states in law enforcement that, uh, you know, they, they're getting brutalized and, and uh, wounded and, and, and murdered. Um, you know, these, these race riots that, that were supposedly about the value of life and the value of, of a black life have killed more black people during the riots than were killed be, that caused them. It, it, it's, it's horrendous. What the world needs is Jesus. See, that's what the world needs. The world needs Jesus. There's some wonderful things out there. We need to lift the name of Jesus up, not politics, not our viewpoints, but Jesus. Because if we come to faith, as people come to true faith, they have to love the Lord their God with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength and love their neighbor as their self. That solves, that solves it all. Amen? It's easy. Or it's simple. It's just not so easy. Um, so let's be praying for unity. I want to encourage you guys. I'm not preaching this morning. Well, I am right now, but I'm going to give it over to Pastor Mickey here in a minute. I took the week off um, this, this past week to um, continue to deal with things uh, for my mom's passing. And so I asked Pastor Mickey to bring the word. He's going to do that in just a minute. But, um, you know, I, I want to encourage us as, as individuals that before you post, before you speak, that you would say, Lord, is this glorifying to you? Is this going to help people come to you? Is this going to help um, um, lift up the truth? Now, there's a lot of things that are going on, and I'm not denying you know, that there's some you know, underhanded stuff going on by groups of people. Um, you, know, you don't ship in protesters. I mean, that's just not normal. Um, but above and beyond that, let us lift up Jesus first. Let's, he's what's going to solve everything. Let, let's pray, God, help me not to get lost or distracted in this time. And, and I will confess, man, for the last three months, man, it has been a constant fight. And I have lost a number of times to not, I always call it go left to center, you know, to get off and get distracted by what's happening because behind what's happening whether it's political or or racially motivated there is an enemy who wants division there's an enemy who hates christians and he truly hates everyone doesn't want anyone to come to christ and he is behind everything so church those listening let's really keep everything focused let's get focused 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 like a laser onto the cross onto jesus who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising its shame, and lift him up. Because the word says, and I'm going to take this out of context, I'm not, I, I know I understand when Jesus said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw men to me. He was talking about being crucified. But I also believed if we lift up Jesus, he will draw all men to himself. Let's lift him up and just keep pointing to him. 
And so I want to encourage you in that. Um, we, we, do our, we do want to receive, uh, take a moment to receive tithes and, and, and offerings. Um, but what we're doing, and, and really I've wanted to go back to this for years, and so even at the end of all this um, COVID-19 thing, we're going we're gonna to keep giving our offerings individually in the boxes at the back. We'll pray for them, but we're not going to pass a bucket. I think that, that we're all adults and we know how to give. You can give online. Um, she's probably got that up there. You can give on a text. You can give online. You can put it in the, in the, in the box if you're at home. Um, you know, go to our website and, and you can give online that way. Uh, we do want to take a moment just say, you know, it's, it's what we do. It's what, what Paul encourages you on the first day of the week. Set aside what you've already set, set, set apart in your heart to bring and, and give, to the, give to the Lord. So that's what we're going to do. Um, so you can do it when you get here. You can do it now. You can do whatever. Just walk to the back at some point and, and put your offerings and tithes in there. And we're just not going to pass buckets anymore. I just, I, you're going to buy faith. You know, just God's going God's to take care of us. Okay. So we'll pray for that. And then uh, I'm going to welcome Mickey up. And I want to kind of give him a, an introduction, kind of. Father, as we uh, at home here, we just pray that you would continue to sustain the work that you've called us to. Father, can sustain the works that we're connected through in missions, God in Guatemala, in in uh, uh, in Finland through the Middle East through Great Commission Media Ministries in Kenya, God in Mexico, and all Latin America where Jason Friend preaches. God, we pray that as you give here and we give into the the, the ministries there and and locally and the food banks and things that you would sustain the ministry, but also God that you would catapult us forward to be able to make a difference in our communities and, and truly in the world where you've uh, placed us strategically through the, the missionaries and ministries that we support. We thank you that you provide personally for each of us and we, we trust you. Even if it's lean right now, God, we say we, we want to trust you, increase our faith and help us to just be obedient in, in bringing uh, the 10% the that belongs to you back to you and, and, then, and giving offerings above that, God. Help us to have faith to walk in that. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Pastor Mickey's going to come and, and bring the word of the Lord this morning, and it was on his heart to really address um, some of this, uh, what, what's going on, even as we're meeting. And I mean, like, we are, we are packed out uh, in, in this room, and I hope, I really do help everyone feels, you know, secure. And, and I'll say it now. For next week, if you don't want, now that we're all here, if you would like to have space between you, okay, I made up reserved signs. Some of you did it with your purse, with a Bible. Um, block the seats next to you. That is okay. That's why we're doing overflow. We don't want anyone to feel uncomfortable and unsafe here. And I want to encourage all of us. There's a lot of us who aren't wearing masks on a day-to-day -day basis. Day -day basis. That's, that's fine. But we, we will walk in love and respect towards others. And, and so we're not going to force any of our, our, our stuff onto someone else. So I want to encourage you, if you're like, oh my gosh, I'm, you know, I'm feeling a little claustrophobic here and I'm just not sure, please take one of those reserve things next week, put it next to you, you can take two if you want, and then I encourage you to you know, sit on an edge so there's a row between you, whatever. And we will love that and we will respect that and we will honor that. Amen? Amen. Amen. Pastor Mickey, come and bring us the word of the Lord. Let's welcome Pastor Mickey. Um, I don't know about you guys, but 
I have been a little confused about who wants me to do what when, haven't you? Um, I was at a lake, Penguish Lake in Utah, and I was fishing, and they had a sign up. You can take your boat out, you can jump in the water, but you can't get wet. And I was like, okay. Um, we have a president who tells us we are a necessity, and we have a governor who tells us we're not. And so then uh, the Supreme Court had got involved, and on May 29th, the Supreme Court made a decision. And uh, in a five to four vote, they decided that we were not. And, and so then what they did is they put a 25% cap on all churches with a max of 100 people meeting. And so we are, <laughs> we are right now in civil disobedience to that. Um, and, and so the message today, though, is about civil obedience and civil disobedience. Um, it came from really about three weeks ago. My wife was reading through the Bible, and so she read uh, Romans chapter 13. And so if you have a Bible, open up there. That's what we're going to look at. I'll get it closer. Thanks, Julie. And so we're going to read Romans 13, and then I'm going to read to you uh, the dissenting opinion by the other Supreme Court judges in the ruling. And, you know, you can see that our country is struggling when, you know, it's a 5-4 vote on the Supreme Court. And Judge uh, Roberts, Chief Justice Roberts, was the swing vote in that, uh, which for us, for me personally, was a little... Uh, a bit of a struggle because I've always liked Justice Roberts and I don't know, he appears to me like now he's going to be like Justice Kennedy that he's going to try to make himself the swing vote on the Supreme Court uh, which, and that makes him a very powerful man in Washington is what it does because then everybody has to lobby him to try to swing him to one side and so and that's what Justice Kennedy was on the Supreme Court. So when you see our country um, doing things, there's always the struggle for me as a Christian. Do I go along with this or not? You know, do you guys have that struggle? And I mean, this started way back in 1860. Uh, anybody familiar with the Supreme Court decision in 1860? It was this. It was when they decided that when a uh, slave went to the north and was free, that they had to go back to their owner in the south. And so because of that, we had something called the Underground Railroad. And any of you want to watch a movie that's pretty good about that, you can watch the movie Harriet. Have any of you guys seen that one? Yeah. Yeah, it was good. And it, what it showed in that movie is that when they, the Supreme Court decided that, there were people who the underground was hiding and trying to help get to the north, and the people who were working in the underground even got killed. They came in and killed them. Um, and so sometimes decisions are made that we as Christians, we have to say, hmm, how does this fit in for us? And as we read Romans 13, you'll see why 
uh, it's kind of one of those things where you look at it and you go, I don't really know what to do. Um, so what I'm going to do is read a whole bunch of verses and then thoroughly confuse you. Um, so you'll be like me, confused. Uh, this is what it says. Let every, this is Romans 13, verse 1. Let every person be in subjection to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and those who exist are established by God. Therefore, he who resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God. And they who opposed will receive condemnation upon themselves. For rulers are not a cause of fear for good behavior, but for evil. Do you want to have no fear of authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. For it is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid, for it does not bear the sword for nothing. For if a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath upon the one who practices evil, Wherefore, it is necessary to be in subjection not only because of wrath, but also for conscience' sake. For because of this, you also pay taxes, for rulers are servants of God, devoting themselves to this very thing. Okay, now as we read that, and as we sit here in civil disobedience to our governor, how would you explain that? to respect them. That's true. And, and so when Gavin Newsom tells us that we're in excess, that we should only have 32 people in this building, but our, the President of the United States is saying, I believe you're a necessity, and I think uh, it should be open all the way, who do we obey? The higher Okay. Some people would say that. And me, I haven't, <laughs> I, I totally agree with you because I agree we should obey the higher authority. And the higher authority is God's authority. Amen. Right? And so, we, but we have to, as Christians, I think it's telling us here, notice there's some key words in here. Anybody pick out any key thing that was said in here? Look at, look at uh, verse 4. For it, when it says for it, what is it talking about? It's talking about the government or the authority, right? It says for it is a minister of God to you for good. But if you do what is evil, be afraid. For it, the government or authority, does not bear the sword for nothing. For it is a minister of God, an avenger who brings wrath upon the one who practices evil. Mm. Did you catch that? Now, so here's the, here's the problem. Um, when I went to Pepperdine University, I had a teacher who taught German civilization, and he said his dad was a Nazi. Uh, because when Hitler came into power, what do you think he did? 
He improved everything. He improved the schools. He improved the roads. Their money was in financial chaos. He improved everything. So my teacher's dad became a Nazi. So did a whole bunch of German Christians, right? And so um, at one point, though, my teacher's dad, who was teaching in school, noticed that the kids were handicapable, uh, were all missing. And so he decided, he made a decision. I'm going to go, I'm going to go to the Nazi party, and I'm a part of that, and I'm going to complain to them. How smart do you think that was? Brave brave for sure so he goes to the Nazi party and he complains and the next night the SS comes and knocks on my teacher's door and he never saw his dad again and so sometimes life is not as crystal clear as we would like to make it right um, we think something is pretty clear when you look at verse 2 and it says therefore he who resists authority has opposed the ordinance of God well if you were part of that Nazi regime and they make you part of the people who are slaughtering people then you have to make a decision don't you and like you said, we decide, do we answer to God? Or to, but here's what, what, uh, here's what we need to get what he was teaching here. When he was teaching this, do you get what he was saying? That, those, that the government and the authorities were put there to fight evil. That's what they were put there for. And so when they become evil themselves, then there comes a time where Christians have got to stand up. And so the hard part for me, why I'm always walking around scratching my head confused, I'm always going like, is this the time? You know, is this the time? When my government is telling me that my church and my God is not necessary, is that the time? And, and I think that's something that I can't tell you that you have to decide for yourself. Any of you guys know who Martin Niemöller is? Do you guys know that name? Okay, I'll tell you a story of two different men in Germany, both pastors and both very different, but both honoring God. And, and the reason I'm telling you this story, Martin Niemöller was a U-boat uh, um, captain during World War I. And so he became one of the most famous Germans during that war. He was a great captain, right? And so after he got done with World War I, he became a pastor. And then in 1936, Hitler gathers all these people together, all these pastors together in a building, and he tells them, I'm, I'm wanting to join together with you Christians, only we're going to call it something different. We're going to call it positive Christianity, and we're going to match the swastika with the cross. And he said to the ministers there, uh, with the SS behind him, you guys have nothing to do with telling people what to, how to live their lives. You leave that to me. 
I'm going to do that. The only thing I want you talking to them about is heaven, and that's it. Nothing else. And with SS guys behind him, Hitler says, and does anybody disagree with that? <laughs> and all the pastors sitting there, they knew what he was waiting for to put up their hand and say, ah, I don't really go along with that uh, because you are going to be gone. And so Martin Niemöller stands up, says, I don't agree with that. That's not what the word teaches. That's not what I'm going to do. Whoa. And he said that to Hitler in front of all these other guys. Hitler arrests him. They have a trial. Uh, he's, they put him in prison for seven months, and he gets out. And then Niemöller goes back to teaching the same thing. Hitler arrests him again, and he ends up in Dachau for almost eight years, leading worship, leading teaching, and teaching guys in Dachau prison. Niemöller was a pacifist. He did not believe in violence, any kind of violence. Um, then, on the other hand, there was a guy named ba Bonhoeffer. You guys, anybody read Bonhoeffer's book? Yeah. Okay, and so Bonhoeffer also was a pastor, and Bonhoeffer got involved with a group of guys who tried to kill Hitler, and they didn't succeed, and so Bonhoeffer was killed. Um, Niemöller lived to be 92 years of age. He survived. Both men loved the Lord, and both men were serving the Lord, but they disagreed with how it should be done. Bonhoeffer thought, we need to get rid of Hitler. Niemöller was a pacifist, and he said, no. They were, they were guys who totally respected each other, but they totally disagreed on how it was going to be done. What a great example for the church for us to look at people like this. There are pastors right now online, I, I looked online, who are arguing over whether or not church should be open. And there are pastors online who are saying to other pastors online, you guys are not following Romans 13. And you guys are doing it wrong. And then there's other pastors looking at those guys saying, no, you guys are weak. You're afraid to open up. Now, what is wrong with that? You know, Rob has always said, we're fine if you come or if you, if you want to stay home. If you want to wear masks or not wear masks, as Christians, one of the things that we have over everyone else is that we have God's love. And we should have a commitment to each other that we should never be fighting each other over this, right? And we should be loving people and caring for people, right? And so let me ask you this. Do you think that Jesus ever committed civil disobedience? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's all over Scripture. Um, and we're going to look at a bunch of those where Jesus said, 
you know, we know what Jesus said, give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, but give to God the things that are God's, right? And so Jesus is our model, isn't he? And so when we look at scripture, the thing that I... I think we should always do is look at the whole of Scripture, see what it all says. And, and for us as Christians, we're getting to the point where, I don't know about you, where I was starting to say to myself, is this the end times? Are we getting there? And, and honestly, after studying Scripture for a long time and spending a lot of my life looking at Scripture, I'd say no. I would say this is the prelude to end times uh, because there's a lot of things that are yet to happen that Jesus told us that were going to happen in the end times. We know the abomination of desolation can't occur because the temple's not even on, the, you know, there's a mosque still there. We know, but that could change quickly. Um, but there's a lot of things that Jesus said, and that's a whole nother sermon. I don't want to get off track. Um, so I, I won't go there. But let me say, just say this to you. That there was um, at least, I counted at least 20 verses, 20 sections of Scripture where Jesus was uh, committing civil disobedience. And, you know, so we're going to take a look at some of them. Uh, just because for me... I think the word is the truth. My opinion is just my opinion. It's not really worth much. But what God thinks is worth everything. And so I always want to go, God, I don't want to have just my opinion in this. I want to know your opinion. Um, so, but before we go to looking at Jesus' di uh, disobedience, I think it's only fair to the other side to look at some of the places where we're told to be obedient. Okay, so uh, we're going to look at 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 and 2, and this is what it says. First of all, I urge you that the entreaties and prayers, petitions, and thanksgiving be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, in order that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Now, we're know, we know that in Scripture we're told to pray for our leaders, right? And I don't know about you, but when our government does things that I don't agree with, one of the things it makes me do is look at myself and say, am I praying enough for them? Am, am I on my knees enough for these guys? Uh, because when Hitler came in, do you know, the very first thing he did was improve everything. He improved almost everything. And then he got lost along the way. And I don't know, any of you guys who have read the book Mein Kampf um, know that he, he got lost. As he, as he got going, we know that absolute power corrupts men absolutely. And what happened to Hitler is he got absolute power, and then he got corrupted. And, and so he's, But he didn't start out that way. So now we're going to uh, look at the next one. 
and this is in First uh, Peter four, and I because I'm going to kind of race through some of these. Uh, this is First Peter four verses fourteen through sixteen, and it says, "If you if you are reviled for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you." By no means let any of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or evildoer or a troublesome meddler. But if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him feel, let him not feel ashamed. But in that name, let him glorify God. So here again, we're told um, that we shouldn't be murderers, that we shouldn't be thieves, that we shouldn't be troublesome meddlers, that we shouldn't be evildoers. We're told that by Scripture. He's telling us again that we should be obeying the law. And you know, the law in itself is good, right? Do you guys know that? The law, where did it come from? It came from God, and it came from God up on Mount Sinai and when Moses received the Ten Commandments, right? That's where the law first came. What was God's intention of the law? Do you remember what it said there in Romans 13? The intention of the law is to protect us. That's what God's intention of the law is. When I'm driving my car and I'm driving down the mountain, and I see the speed limit is a certain speed limit, I know that it's there because they're saying, this is what it's safe to do. Now, you can go faster than this, but you take, take your chance. You could get a ticket, you could crash, you could do all kinds of things, right? But that law is put there to protect me. I don't know about you guys, I don't always let that law protect me. I should, but I don't always. Um, I wish I always did, but sometimes I don't. And so we know that the law was given to us for protection, right? But let's look at civil disobedience and when that happened. We're going to look in 2 Samuel 12, 1 through 7. And I'll read it to you. It says this. Then the Lord said to Nathan, then the Lord sent Nathan to David, and he came to him and said, There were two men in one city, the one rich and the other poor. The rich man had great many flocks and herds, but the poor man had nothing except for one little ewe lamb, which he bought and nourished. And it grew up together with him and his children, and it would eat on, on it of his bread and drink of his cup and lie in his bosom. And like a, like a daughter to him. Now a traveler came to the rich man, and he was unwilling to take from his own flock or his own herd to prepare for the wayfarer who had come to him. Rather, he took the poor man's ewe lamb and prepared it for the man who had come to him. Then David's anger burned greatly against the man, and he said to Nathan, As the Lord lives, surely that man has done this. He deserves to die. And he must make restitution for the lamb fourfold because he did this thing and no and he had no compassion. Nathan then said to David, You are that man. Thus says the Lord God of Israel, It is I who anointed you king over Israel, and it is I who delivered you from the hand of Saul. I also gave you your master's house and your master's wives into your care, and I gave you the house of Israel and Judah. 
And if, it had, if that had been too little, I would have added to you many more things like these. Why have you despised the word of the Lord by doing evil in his sight? And we know the evil that David did. He took, he took Bathsheba, Uriah's wife, and then he sent Uriah into battle and killed him. And so we know David, he did this. Was David a good king? Yes. Did David get into evil? Yes. And what happened to him there? Nathan, he, Nathan was not supposed to defy the king by um, making him ashamed in, at all. That was against the Jewish law. But Nathan said, notice what it says there in verse 1. Then the Lord sent Nathan to David. So Nathan knew he was called to do it. He was called. God said, you're going to go and you're going to confront the king. How do you think Nathan <laughs> felt about that when he first went to David? You know, they were singing the song, Saul kills his thousands, David is ten thousands. David was a warrior, and Nathan is a prophet. You know, and so it wasn't going to be a fair fight. If this got into a fight, uh, Nathan was going down. Um, but he went anyway, because God told him to. And so here's one of the things for us. If we're going to get involved with civil disobedience, we should know the Lord is speaking to us, saying, you need to get involved with this. But when he does speak to us, we need to move, right? Um, and sometimes the church has not been willing to move. And sometimes our quietness has been a problem. The Boy Scouts got totally wiped out and almost no Christian groups said anything. We had Roe versus Wade. We've lost 57 million children. And the church has kept relatively silent. And let me put that in perspective for you, because, you know, when I was thinking about that, I was like, I don't really get the numbers on that. 57 million babies. Okay, so that would mean like this. I wrote it down if I can find it. Um, I wrote down, I got a lot of notes. I wrote down how many states that would take if you killed everybody in the state. So it means all, all of Michigan, 9.88 million of them. All of Wisconsin, 5.71 million. All of Minnesota, 5.32 million. All of Iowa, 3.06 million. All of North Dakota, 683,932. All of South Dakota, 820,082. All of Nebraska, 184 million. All of Louisiana, 4.57 million. All of Montana, 900. 190,000. All of Wyoming, 568,000. All of Colorado, 5.12 million. All of Arizona, 6.48 million. All of Idaho, 1.58 million. All of Arkansas, 2.94 million. And that's what we've allowed to be aborted since 1973 in Roe versus Wade. And many of us have not raised a voice. And I'm not judging you guys. I'm judging myself. Um, because when do we speak up? 
when will we say to our government, this is enough? You know, when will it start? And so, um, there, <laughs> uh, what I'm going to do is read to you now uh, the dissenting opinion from the Supreme Court. This was from May 29th, 2020. And so it just happened. And we had, fortunately, you know, we had a president who actually put in two guys, Kavanaugh and Gorsh, who were on this dissenting opinion. And this is what they had to say. The, um, this is South Bay United Pentecostal Church versus Gavin Newsom, governor of California. Um, Justice Thomas, Justice Alito, Justice Gorsh, and Justice Kavanaugh all said that they would grant the application. But there were five other Supreme Court judges who said that um, churches are non-essential businesses, and that was their decision. So in response to that, um, Kavanaugh and Gorsh and um, I forget the other Supreme Court judge. There it is. It was, uh, yeah, Justice Thomas. So it was Kavanaugh, Thomas, and Gorsh were the dissenting uh, guys who wanted to have their name attached to this. Alito did not want the name attached to this. I would grant the church's requested temporary injunction because California's latest safety guidelines discriminate against places of worship and in favor of comparable secular businesses. Such discrim discrimination violates the First Amendment. In response to the COVID-19 health crisis, California has now limited attendance at regular worship services to 25% of building capacity or 100 attendees, whichever is lower. The basic constitutional problem is that comparable secular businesses are not subject to a 25% occupancy cap, including factories, offices, supermarkets, restaurants, retail stores, pharmacies, shopping malls, pet grooming shops, bookstores, book florists, hair salons, and cannabis dispensaries. South, <laughs> that was in there. I didn't, I didn't just throw that in there. Um, South Bay United Pentecostal Church has applied for temporary injunction relief from California's 25% occupancy cap on religious worship services. Importantly, the church is willing to abide by the state's rules that apply to comparable secular businesses including the rules regarding social distancing and hygiene. But the church objects to a 25% occupancy cap that is imposed on religious worship services, not imposed on those comparable secular businesses. And then it goes on, and they, and I'm not going to read all the rest, uh, but they dissented. So we have guys that actually Donald Trump put in place who were part of the, that dissenting vote. Um, and, and that's a, f a factor for us. Now, let's look at Jesus' life. Let's take a look at him. Uh, somebody tell me, where's one place where you can see that Jesus uh, was going against the law? Yeah, good. Um, the money changers in the temple, right? 
he went and cleared the temple. And when he cleared the temple, you know, he wasn't, I think he was a little ticked off when he did that. Um, because what did he say to them? You remember what he said to them? And you've turned it into a den of thieves, is what he said to them, right? And so that's one place where we saw Jesus um, go against the law. Where else did we see him go against the law? Yeah, good. Uh, you know, uh, the one that I was thinking about is where he touched the ten lepers. And remember that? And they all went off and they went away. But then remember who came back. That one leper who came back was a Samaritan. And in the Jewish law, he shouldn't even have touched a Samaritan, let alone touch someone who's a leper because they're unclean. And then once you touch them, you're unclean. And so he was like, forget that law. I don't like that law. Because Jesus didn't abide by the law. He went beyond the law, right? Do you guys know what I mean? Because this is what he said. He said in Matthew chapter 5, you've heard it said you, shall not commit it, you should not commit murder. But I say to you that any man who's angry with his brother shall be guilty before the court. And any, anyone who says to his brother, raka, raka, shall be guilty before the supreme court. And anybody who says to his brother, you fool, is guilty in enough to go into the fire of hell. And that's what he had to say to us. So he was saying like this, guys, don't be angry. Uh, it doesn't pay. It won't help. And so I don't know about you. Last week, Rob asked us if we we're angry. I, I wasn't, I'm not really angry. Um, confused, yes. Angry, no. Um, and the reason that I'm not really angry is because I, mean, I looked at what you guys looked at. My wife likes to watch the news, and, and so we watch the news, and when I'm watching the news, I saw the looting going on and all that stuff going on, but it didn't really make me angry at those people. It did make me angry at one person, Satan. Because I realize this, we don't battle against, it says in scripture, we don't battle against flesh and blood. We battle against principalities and powers of darkness. Do you guys recognize that? Have you ever read The Dark Agenda by David Horowitz? If you haven't, you need to. David Horowitz is an agnostic. He doesn't even believe in God. But what he writes, he was far left. He was way far left. And he was involved with um, the Black Panthers. And he got a friend of his to be a financial advisor to the Black Panthers. And the Black Panthers end up killing her. And then he ended up going, hmm, this is not going how I thought it was going to go. And so he started looking at his involvement with the far left. But if you haven't read that book, you need to read it just because it will explain things that you, if you're like me, I don't get. Because I don't think like that. It's not how I think. 
and so I had to learn. And so basically, this is what's happened to us in the United States. If you're like me, this is what maybe makes you scratch your head. How can a minority of people get majority control? Never got that. Um, in his book, he explains about how they use the court system, and particularly the Supreme Court, to get what they wanted. Because they saw that there was a liberal majority on the Supreme Court, so they used that instead of trying to go through legislation, which would take more of a majority opinion on, on what to do. So when we look at Jesus' life and we go, okay, so he cleared the temple, he healed the leper, what else did he do? He what, Suze? Yeah, he healed on the Sabbath. He, he healed lots of people on the Sabbath. Because, and the reason for that is oftentimes on the Sabbath, he would go to temple. And then when he was in temple, he would see someone, like when he went, it was called the women's court, when that guy, remember, was blind, and he spit in the mud, and he put it on his eyes, and then the guy was healed. Well, that was on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees get all ticked off at him because they said, you're doing miracles on the Sabbath. What they were really ticked off about is they, he was doing miracles, and they weren't. I mean, that's what it was really about. But uh, Jesus, he, he did it, uh, when he did civil disobedience, he was doing this. He was saying, I only do the things that I hear the Father saying. And so he was listening to the Father and responding to the Father. And that needs to be us. We need to be in relationship with the Father and responding to what he tells us to do, not what we feel like doing, right? Because sometimes my feelings get all over the map, and they're not worth trusting. But God's word is, and following the way that Jesus lived is. And have you ever thought about this? Jesus, I'm going to ask you a really tough question. And I used to be a teacher, and I, if I see anybody falling asleep, I'm going to ask you. Okay? So, <laughs> so um, when Jesus resurrected, how did he break the Roman law? <laughs> he didn't stay dead. Good one, Robert. No. <laughs> That's not right. <laughs> yeah, good, Robert. That a boy. <laughs> now, what did he do wrong? What did the Romans put on the rock? A seal. He broke the seal to get out. And so even then, he breaks the Roman law during the resurrection. 
and there's 20 other times when he broke, he, he, Jesus did civil disobedience. But I, I want to read you one last thing before I close. Uh, this was something that Martin Niemöller was famous for, but I, I want to share with you guys that there are places to go online to look at guys giving a message supporting both sides. And so I'm going to give you those uh, to look at so that you can go online and, and see and listen to these guys, because that's what I did. I went online and I listened to guys on both sides, because I want to hear it. I want to hear the guys that I agree with and the guys that I don't agree with. So you can go online to missionbiblechurch.org and you can hear a guy give a good message on Romans 13, but it's about us being having civil obedience. That one is. Um, a great place online to go is um, a place called Chuck Colson's Two-Minute Warning. Any of you guys ever go online there? Uh, you, sh you should. If you haven't, you need to. Um, but there's another thing if you believe that there's times that we need to have civil disobedience. You need to go online and look at the Manhattan Declaration and read it and see if you agree with it. And that was done by Chuck Colson and a couple other uh, brilliant men. And it's, it's pretty amazing. But the last thing I want to read to you is this. And this is just a famous saying by Martin Niemöller. And, you know, I don't know about you, but protesting for me is something that... I haven't, I haven't really been very involved in protesting things, and yet I, I feel pretty strongly about a lot of things, and sometimes I think, I wonder if I'm just lazy. Is that why I haven't protested? But I don't, I don't know. I hope I can find this. Yeah, there it is. Okay, so this was uh, kind of a famous statement by Martin Niemöller, and this is what it said. First they came for the communists, but I was not a communist, so I did not speak out. Then they came for the socialists and the trade unionists, but I was neither, so I did not speak out. Then they came for the Jews, but I was not a Jew, so I did not speak out. And when they came for me, there was no one left to speak out for me. Uh, let's close in prayer. Lord, we pray that um, we will be Christians who live on both sides of that line. Lord, that we will be obedient to our leaders who are fighting evil. Lord, we pray that when we need to be civilly disobedient, you will speak to us about it. And we will know, just like Nathan knew, that it's your will. And Lord, help us not to just be lazy Christians. Help me, Lord, not to be a lazy Christian. Help me to protest the things that need to be protested. But Lord, help me to uh, live a life that um, is directed by you and your love. In your name we pray, amen. And now, I, I just want to, I forgot, I just want to read you this last part. You know, we took Roman 13, but I left part of it out uh, because I wanted to read to you the rest of it. Because the last from verses 8 to verses 14 is the answer. 
is the answer to my confusion. Owe nothing to anyone except to love one another. For he who loves his neighbors has fulfilled the law. For this you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet. And if there is any other commandment, it is summed up in this saying, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Love, therefore, is the fulfillment of the law. And this do, knowing the time, that it is already the hour for you to be awakened from sleep. And for, and for now, salvation is nearer to us than when we believed. The night is almost gone, and the day is at hand. Let us therefore lay aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let us behave properly in the day, not in carousing and drunkenness, not in sexual promiscuity and sensuality, not in strife and jealousy. But here it is. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh in regard to its lusts. And there's the answer. Put on Christ. And as we put him on, we will be filled with love and we will love our neighbors and the anger that maybe is in us will go away. God bless you guys.